Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Well, thanks for tuning in today to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a big show today. The markets are continuing to move. We'll talk about the ongoing breakdown in the wheat market in segment two with Carl Setzer. He's a commodity risk analyst with AgriVisor. And then in segment three, we are going to be connecting with Senator Charles Grassley, Iowa's senior senator. A lot of bills currently pending in Washington, D.C. That cattle market under focus, inflation obviously being targeted. The senator will bring us an update on all of those issues. And at the end of the show, we're going to have a conversation with our friends at Cenex. Planting time, boy, that machinery is seeing a lot of usage. We've got to keep things clean. We've got to keep things well lubricated. Sean Clark from Cenex will join us in segment four. Before we talk about all of that, however, I wanted to jump up to North Dakota, have a conversation about planting up there and what's going through farmers' minds with Lance Knudsen. He's a North Dakota farmer and signs my paycheck as the owner of AOA. Lance, thank you for taking the time to jump on the show today. I appreciate it, Mike. It's always fun to uh, have these kinds of conversations. Well, Lance, I tell you what, I just pulled up the weather in Grand Forks, North Dakota, and I see that flood warning for the Red River is still in effect. Give us the lowdown. What's it look like up there in the Red River Valley of the North? Well, I'll tell you, Mike, uh, so I farm north of here between Manville and Oslo, uh, Minnesota, Manville, North Dakota. And I'm really lucky myself because the floodwaters are off, but you go three miles north of me, and it's a lake probably from uh, a little south of Oslo all the way to uh, the Canadian border on both sides of the river. Uh, There's going to be tens of thousands of acres not planted. Uh, As of, I believe, Monday, uh, there was only 2 or 3% of the sugar beet crop planted in the Red River Valley, which is, is not a good thing. The beet company is obviously really worried about getting these sugar acres in the ground. Um, you know, and our friends to the west, uh, they are, you know, I see it's raining again. I myself am on hold right now. Uh, the ground is just a hair too wet. Uh, anywhere the river has been on and has come off, it is so wet, Mike, that, uh, you know, normally when we flood, you know, you might have your land might be underwater for seven to 10 days. But, you know, we've had land underwater for 30 days and it is so wet in places uh, that, you know, I don't know if we'll farm it. Uh, south of Grand Forks, a little bit better picture. The waters got off better, but still lots and lots and lots of delays just because of between river flooding and uh, just we've had, uh, you know, a lot of rain, uh, which is which has really hindered planting. I have myself it, not planted one acre yet. Oh, Lance, and you mentioned sugar beets there. For a lot of our listeners that are outside the, the sugar beet growing areas, how late can they go in? How how is serious is that crunch time in sugar beets? Well, that's a good question, Mike, because, uh, you know, every day, every day that goes by, there'll just be less tons. So what they're hoping to do is get people to plant more acres. Um, and a lot of farmers are telling me, heck, they're, uh, a neighbor of mine's like, hey, he called me yesterday and said, hey, what about if I, I'm thinking about actually planting more sugar beets because they're going to let us, and then plant less corn because he figures planting sugar beets will be a better bet than corn because up here, if anybody knows in North Dakota, uh, especially the Northern Valley, maybe not so much uh, south of Fargo, but we feast or famine when it comes to corn. The farmers have a good year. Oh, they'll plant a bunch of corn, and then everybody has a bad year late in the fall. They don't get it harvested till December or March, and then nobody plants corn. And I think uh, I think it's going to be very. I think you'll see uh, a lot of people in the valley now. Only the valley, maybe think about planting more sugar beets instead of corn, because uh, in the northern valley here, we're not going to get much of a corn crop. I don't think if you plant it now. And Lance, it all comes back to just maximizing the expected returns in the face of these high input prices. The costs are screaming up for growers and uh, the challenge is how do we address it? Lance, in your operation, what are you seeing or how are you managing with these higher input prices? Well, you know, Mike, uh, like everybody, I'm I'm just going to try and I'm probably going to do less, uh, not by choice. 
but the problem is, is it, it is really hard to cut back when you have a, a tractor out there. It just burns X amount of fuel to cover X amount of acres, and there's really not much you can do about that. Do you leave it idle less on the end when it's cooling down? No, that's not the answer either because that's not good for the engine. Do you let it warm up less at the, at the beginning of the day? No, you don't do that either because that's not good. And those little bit of savings, they're not good for your equipment anyway. Uh, what are we going to do? I think in the end it'll be just we'll probably have uh, to save and cut corners. We'll have uh, we'll use less fertilizer. Uh, we'll use less chemicals. We'll have dirtier fields. Uh, we won't spray as much. Uh, those are where the corners will be cut. As far as using energy, be very very hard to cut corners uh, using energy because it just takes X amount of power to plant the crop, no matter what the price of fuel is. Lance, another concern I've heard from folks across the country is shortages, just randomly checking on things and they're out. Have you encountered that up there in the, the northern part of North Dakota? Well, that's a great question, Mike, because uh, I had that happen yesterday and I was going to share this with the folks. Uh, I went into my local farm and ranch store and we all as farmers have a brand we like. I won't mention the brand, but the specific brand I like. I went in and I said, hey, I said, uh, I was here the other day. Oh, you only had a couple gallons. I said, do you have any more? And they said, no. One guy came in and bought the last 10 five-gallon pailfuls of oil. And I said, really? He said, yeah, we don't even like to put it out because what's going on is, is when we put it out, people just buy it up. And he goes, guys are buying it for the rest of the year like they're hoarding it, is what the gentleman in the store told me and said that, hey, um, he, he's buying it now because he's afraid he won't get it later. And there's starting to be those fears creep in. I, I know like I'm sitting here trying to figure out I need some parts for a combine and I'm already going to go to my store and order some parts now because I'm afraid it'll take so long to get them. And uh, I, that's just one small case of, of, of possibly hoarding, but I think it's out there and I think it's going to get worse. Uh, another quick little story about, uh, supply chain problems is, you know, we're so reliant on computer chips, no matter what we do as farmers, but even in our, even in our broadcast business and these receivers we use, we need more receivers. We used to be able to get, just call and get them. Now I had to put a place of order for 10 and I can't get them till November if I'm lucky because of the yeah. computer chip shortage. Gosh, these challenges just keep popping up all across the economy. Lance, before we let you go, spring wheat, you are in the heart of that country. As you talk to neighbors and other growers, what are you hearing? Are we going to get enough spring wheat acres in the ground? Well, I tell you right now, it, it's going to be challenging. I mean, I've got a, you know, up here we need to plant it for rotation, and we sure want to get it in the ground. Uh, but we're getting late. Uh, if, if the weather, uh, if we get it in, then we run the risk of uh, it flowering and, and, and issues uh, on the later side. If we get into heat, then we'll have a poorer crop. You know, there's going to be some planted just due to uh, rot crop rotation. But uh, at the end of the day, I, I just don't know. It depends. You know, right now we're waiting for a system to come through, see how much rain we get. Hopefully it's, it's, it's less than less than what they're predicting. Hopefully, indeed. Our thanks to Lance Knutson, North Dakota farmer, owner of AOA. Lance, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, have a great day, Mike. Thank you. And folks, stick with us. Carl Setz, our commodity risk analyst at AgriVisor, will be joining us when AOA returns. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Mike Rowe here with a gentle reminder that civilization is held together by pipes, wires, and cables. It's true. There are over 5 million miles of gas lines, power lines, fiber optic lines, water lines, and sewer lines all buried beneath your feet. And every 60 seconds, somebody digs into one. Look, if you're thinking about digging around, do yourself a favor and call 811 first just to find out what's down there. Trust me, you don't want to find out the hard way. Call or click 811 before you dig and visit safeexcavator.com for more info. Most folks just stick with the diesel engine oil they know because why sweat the details? But you don't. You're one of those who'd make the switch, and we're talking to you. Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils give you the smartest oil for the toughest conditions. While the others experience wear and tear, you give complacency a kick in the pants. 
Cenex Maxtron diesel engine oils. Oil that runs smart. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. <laughs> a heads up before something bad happens. You should not send that text. Uh-oh. Life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes, you can reverse pre-diabetes and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. To learn your risk, take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hi, I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out, because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container, because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AOA. Thanks for tuning in to the show today and making it a part of your day. We're going to talk markets next. As we look out at what is going on in the world of agricultural commodities, we've got big gains in the soybean complex today and another day of losses across all three classes of wheat. Corn just kind of flopping around. Old crop a little higher, new crop falling slightly. To help us make sense of these market figures is Carl Setzer. He's the commodity risk analyst with AgriVisor. Carl, thanks for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. You know, Thursdays, we do get a look at the export sales early in the morning. Carl, were there any headline driving numbers that uh, came off that export sales report this morning? You know, two that jumped out at me a little bit here, Mike, is on soybeans, 27.7 million bushels on the old crop, 5.5 million bushels new crop, but really focusing on the old crop. You know, the United States still selling a large volume of soybeans, even with that South American uh, export program still going full bore, and mainly out of Brazil. Argentina hasn't started putting out soybeans too much yet. But uh, that large soybean export number shows me that buyers maybe not quite as comfortable with the uh, Brazilian supplies and not willing to wait until we get the Argentine export program going. So that's that number jumped out at me there. The other one, wheat. Uh, wheat, 300,000 bushels. Not, not 3 million, 300,000 bushels. A marketing year low, down 40% on the week. Um, our wheat, and that's, that's what's really getting this wheat complex here, we're overvalued in the, in the global market on our wheat. And yeah, we want to ration supplies and, and there's, you know, the stories on the Black Sea. But right now the EU is offering wheat at $100 per ton discount to the United States. It's going to be pretty tar tough for us to compete with that. And that, those are the two numbers that really jumped out at me, Mike. So $100 a ton, Carl, help us do some quick math in our head. How much do we need to see the per bushel price of wheat decline to make us flat with EU rates? You know, the thing is, Mike, and I'm going <laughs> to, 
I, I'm going to tell you, it isn't just, you know, to, to see what the bushels, you know, that we would have to decline. And, and roughly, you know, give or take, uh, you know, we're probably going to have to see about 75 cents to get competitive. But we got to be more than competitive. We've got to be underneath the EU to see that. And then we got all these other factors we got to throw in freight. Uh, freight is a big one with these high energy costs and everything else we have going on. But then you have the simple currency exchange rates. And when you sit here and look at a U.S. dollar, even though we're seeing sharp losses today, we're still sitting at, you know, right around 102.90 on that index. Um, these currency exchange rates and, and the freight are kind of taking a little bit of the, you know, quote, per bushel, unquote, uh, uh, emphasis away from the market, if that makes sense. That does. The per bushel cost matters a lot less when it's going to cost an arm and a leg to get it shipped across the ocean anyway. To that extent, Carl, looking at the corn market, we've got that old crop market still finding strength. As you look out at it, is it international demand that's driving that old crop strength, or is this domestic buyers looking to uh, to secure their needs for the summer? It's it's coming from the domestic side here. We're starting to see this cash market lead the futures a little bit. Uh, processors across the United States, now this isn't everywhere, I understand that, but a lot of reports come in on some ethanol plants and, uh, you know, up to a dollar over trying to get corn. Feeders pushing pretty hard, uh, especially we get down in that southern plains where we see the, the losses and, and the drought hitting uh, you know, U.S. pastures, uh, in Texas, uh, up into Oklahoma, the wheat crop, not likely to see much for, for wheat feeding this year. And then we turn around and we look at the fact that, you know, we got corn, how much corn are we going to have? Uh, you know, there's concerns over the production. So we're starting to see these buyers pay some pretty significant premiums. Um, our exports on corn for the week were, were okay, 17.1 million bushels. Uh, you know, it was right at what we need for, you know, to meet our yearly expectations. But the global side definitely not giving us near as much support is what we are domestically. Carl, I'm curious, you talk to growers all across this country, and there has been debate in the commodity trading community about acres going into the ground this year. Now with the delayed plantings, I'm wondering, have you talked to any growers who have adjusted their acreage mix based on the weather we've seen so far yet this spring? You know, Mike, I've talked to probably more guys about that this week, oddly enough, than I have the entire growing season Nobody that I have talked to has said that they're willing to alter their acres right now. As a matter of fact, I had a guy tell me, and this is from up in that Red River Valley, that if as long as his yield drag on corn is less than 60 bushels per acre, he will plant corn because his returns, uh, when you have these high prices sitting here staring at us, and you know, seven and a half dollar corn, it's still well above his insurance payment, and it still pencils out better for him than soybeans. Now, this might be the exception, but you go across the Corn Belt, and I am not hearing of anybody that's willing to shift acres right now. Um, you know, Mike, it goes back to the old adage, corn is king, and if guys can plant corn, they're going to keep planting corn, especially with today's genetics that maybe keep that yield drag to a minimum. Well, and I know seeing a lot of corn acres go in the ground would be music to the ears of a lot of end users, whether they're ethanol plants or livestock feeders. They have had a tough row to hoe for the past two years. Carl, as you look at the livestock sector, and let's talk cattle first here off the bat. Do you see any relief coming for the folks who are feeding cattle right now? Uh, it's You know, I think it's going to be a bit of a tough one, Mike. We're going to have to watch this real close. Um, you know, sitting looking at pasture conditions, if we start to pick up a few more rains, and we have some in the forecast, and that U.S. pasture condition remains poorly rated, but we have seen a couple, you know, percentage increases over the past week on the poor to very poor and the good to excellent. So we'll keep watching this. I think we see some relief, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, what we want to see, uh, you know, until we get these world balance sheets on grains figured back out. 
Um, I think it's it's going to be, you know, unfortunately a little bit tough for a feeder, especially once, you know, if they had forward contract and then hedge bushels on, once they start to get out of those products, that's when we'll start to see it. That's when I think these, you know, we have uh, uh, the cattle on feed report. We'll be watching them numbers pretty closely to see placements. Um, you know, the the weights on cattle, if we start seeing a little bit lighter weights come into some of these packers in the weekly reports, we'll be watching that because that'll tell me that guys are moving them out and getting a little bit concerned over what it's costing them to take them, you know, maybe to put that extra, you know, 10, 15, 20 pounds on a steer. doesn't seem like much, but if we start to see that change, that'll tell us. It will indeed. And of course, inflation is making the consumer's choices more difficult at the grocery store. Carl, what's your thought here on live cattle pricing as we get into the summer? Is there downside risk ahead? I I do think there is. I think we have uh, some definite concerns if this inflationary, uh, uh, you know, everything continues. Um, You know, you go to the store, consumers sitting here and you know, the, the 20 plus dollars, you know, a pound on, on steaks. And then they look over and they can get, you know, a chicken, beef, you know, or chicken or pork um, for a sizable discount. That's where the consumer is going to go. And even then we're starting to see a little pushback. I think we get through Memorial Day. We tend to see big grilling demand on, on Memorial Day, no matter what. It's the kickoff to the summer the story will be what happens after that. If gas prices don't give us a break at the pump, uh, you know, if all other spending continues to be high, we could see this, you know, this beef market start to, to fade back a little bit. Cash bids, no cash pretty untested on the week, but it is down about $3 a hundred from last week. That tells me that maybe these packers are showing a little bit of concern over what they want to pay because they don't know what they're going to get on the other end as well and how much demand they're going to see. Yeah, it is going to be an interesting summer to watch a lot of different factors pulling together to affect our prices. We've been speaking with Carl Setzer. He's the commodity risk analyst at AgriVisor. And Carl, thank you so much for joining us this week to share your insights. Thanks for having me, Mike. And folks, stick with us. We'll be talking inflation, I assume, with Senator Charles Grassley here when we get back. We're also going to get an update on that cattle market price discovery and transparency bill. So stay with us here for more on AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Less isn't always more. Take managing a fleet, for instance. You need a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. And that's exactly what you get with Senex Premium Diesel. Senex Roadmaster XL even adds more life to your fuel system's injectors and injector pumps. That's a lot more than we can say about typical number two diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, Farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm Radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Once we take a look at the market trade so far, the soybean complex beans and bean meal are trading their way higher with wheat still showing losses, double-digit losses here. Corn market is mixed, and we see mixed trade in livestock. Crude oil down uh, about 73 cents a barrel, 108.86, with the Dow Jones uh, slowly climbing off lows, but still down about 200 points as we saw more of a sell-off overnight. Weekly export sales and shipments, 40.3 million bushels of corn combined, old and new crop, 33.2 million bushels combined of soybeans, and 12.3 million bushels of wheat sold during the weekend in May 12th. 
and wheat uh, old crop was a marketing year low. Reports out this morning say that Indonesia will lift its ban on palm oil exports on Monday. Uh, the move has been widely expected. In fact, the ban lasted a bit longer than some folks in the trade expected. We're going to be watching that closely to see its impact on the oilseed market. We're also watching that Wheat Quality Council tour as they pegged uh, Kansas uh, yields on the second day at 37 bushels per acre, down from 56.7 last year. As we take a look at market numbers, July corn up four and a quarter, 785 and three quarters. December down one and a half, 738 and three quarters. July soybeans up 25 and a quarter, 1688. November up 10, 1509 and a half. July bean meal up 960 a ton, 423.60. July bean oil down 97 points, 79.58. July Chicago wheat 17 to three quarters lower, 1213. July Kansas City wheat down 20 to quarter, 1304 to quarter. Spring wheat July 15 lower at 1337 to three quarters. June lean hogs down 67, 105.42. Feeder cattle for May down 130, 154.55. June live cattle now down 20, 130, 130. Crude oil down $1.74 barrel, 107.85. The Dow Jones down 291 points. This is AOA. I'm Jesse Allen. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Well, thanks for joining us today for AOA, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to take our focus over to Washington, D.C. Next, joining me on the show is Iowa's senior Senator Charles Grassley. Senator Grassley, thanks for joining us today. I'm glad to be with you, and I'm mad about diesel fuel being over $5, well over $5. I can't believe that. Well, I think that is a sentiment echoed by a lot of folks out in farm country, Senator. And let's start with that. Then inflation is running rampant across the country. From your perch in Congress, tell us a little bit about what you're seeing this administration and your fellow Congress folks working to do to address the inflation uh, issues across the country. Well, I see the president of the United States blaming Putin for the high cost of fuel and uh, even inflation. I don't see him taking any uh, credit for uh, inflation because they spent $2 trillion last year after Democrat economists said they were going to uh, pour uh, oil on the fires of inflation, and they did it anyway. So I see about half of the cost of inflation at 8.3 being done by high uh, energy costs, and so you shut down pipelines, you quit drilling uh, in the United States and on the north slope of Alaska, put regulations on fracking, and then not loan money to energy companies. Uh, I see the only way to reverse this and cut down on inflation is for the president to reverse every policy he put in place last year that has driven up the cost of energy. And, Senator, I, I think that's probably going to be a, a big ask of this administration. In the meantime, I know that you folks in the Senate are keeping an eye on this issue. Is there anything that can be done outside of the executive branch to get energy production rocking and rolling in this country again? 
yeah, we could make 15% uh, or E15 year-round would be one thing Congress could do. Uh, we could uh, we could pass legislation to override uh, every executive decision that he's made on the list of things I just mentioned a minute ago, but he would veto it. I don't think he would veto our E15 since he came out for E15, but just for this present year, so we wouldn't have it the summer of 2023 unless he extends it for next year. And uh, we could bring some certainty uh, to the uh, biofuels industry uh, because this uncertainty of E15 for one year uh, doesn't uh, encourage uh, our uh, uh, ethanol plants and biodiesel plants to uh, gear up for the long term. Uh, things of that nature we could do and ought to do. Indeed. And one of the things that we've seen with the rollback in energy production in this country, Senator, we are left more reliant on foreign energy producers, including the folks at OPEC. And I understand that you have been working on a bipartisan piece of legislation called the NOPEC Act. Could you tell us a little bit about what this would do and how it would help give us a little more control over the prices we pay for our fuel? Yes, I will do that. Just let me say one other thing about E15. It'd be about uh, 50 cents cheaper per gallon uh, if that was available year-round and people used it. Uh, I know E15 isn't sold all over the United States, but with 50 cents difference, it wouldn't take long for people to wake up to the fact that that's a viable thing. Now on NOPEC, N-O-P-E-C. Everybody knows, knows what OPEC is. NOPEC is legislation that I sponsored uh, to uh, uh, apply the antitrust laws to a monopoly, which is OPEC, where these countries get together to, uh, to uh, collude on keeping, uh, uh, keeping supply at a certain level, and that in turn uh, dictates a, a, a price worldwide. So having... Uh, them subject to the antitrust laws and the United States willing to bring them to court under our antitrust laws ought to break up that cartel. Now, another way that the cartel was broken up until this president comes into office, uh, when Trump had a policy of uh, being energy independent, we were exporting uh, oil for the first time in about 70 years. Uh, that would uh, that kind of kept OPEC's uh, dominance of the world price of oil under control. But now that we've become a move from energy independence, when Biden takes over to energy dependence because he wants Saudi Arabia to export oil to the United States instead of using our own, uh, then that's the reason for OPEC. And, and Senator, I should say, with the focus we've got right now on fuel prices, do you think this bill has the legs to, to get to a vote here before we go to the midterm elections? The only thing I can tell you is that Biden voted for it and supported it when he was a senator. So I hope you'll get on board. That would make a big difference. It would indeed. And it's already got bipartisan support, but throwing the president's name on there as well would certainly help push it across the finish line. Senator, I want to turn our focus to another issue. This is a, a nomination vote. It sounds like you might get to hold in the Senate. Alexis Taylor nominated as the USDA Undersecretary for Trade. We've seen a strong outpouring of support from the ag industry broadly. I was wondering, what have you heard in the Senate? Does this look like it's a nomination that uh, might actually get to a vote? Yes, it will. And uh, I'm going to support it. I don't know Alexis as well as I know her sister, Amanda, but her sister, Amanda Taylor, was on my staff as my ag position, a position that Joe Gilson holds now. And then she was, can you believe this, a Trump appointee uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the agriculture USDA office in Des Moines, Iowa, running that office for the whole state of Iowa. Uh, and uh, But I know Alexis 
to have served previously uh, uh, for Democrat uh, people, and uh, that doesn't make any difference to me because she knows agriculture. The Taylor family from Dubuque knows agriculture, and that's what we need in these positions. Now, I don't have any criticism of Alexa, but this is about a year and a half late getting a very important position. The third, I think it's the third-ranking position in the U.S. Department of Agriculture uh, filled, and it deals with uh, very important issues of trade. Uh, in other words, she is a spokesman in the Department of Agriculture for trade, and that affects uh, farming because a third of our products in the United States have to be exported. And, uh, and then another position that isn't even filled yet is uh, the ambassador for agricultural trade negotiations in the uh, special trade representative office. I've been on uh, Ambassador Tai that heads that agency to get a person appointed there. So it's good that Alexis is being appointed to this position. It's just sorry that uh, the third highest position in the Department of Agriculture hasn't been filled before now. Right. You'll wonder about the missed opportunities that could have elapsed in the past 18 months. Senator, you mentioned the U.S. Trade Rep's office. It was in the news earlier this week that you'd called out the U.S. Trade Rep for being perhaps less than transparent with Congress. Can you tell us a little bit about how it's going? Well, yes. Uh, uh, first of all, well, I, I shouldn't say have uh, it's been uh, hasn't been transparent with what she's doing. Now, she appears before our committee once or twice a year. We have an opportunity to answer any questions, and I don't have any fault with things she said at the hearing, but we just aren't getting the movement that we need on, uh, on trade, and particularly agricultural trade, and what they're up to, and that's what uh, there hasn't been enough transparency on. Okay. Do we have any word of a, 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 a ag trade ambassador coming in that office, Senator? Are there whispers coming in there at Congress about who could fill that role? Uh, I suggested a person that served in the Bush administration in that very same position. He happens to be a Republican, but having a Republican in a Democrat administration wouldn't be a bad uh, bad thing to, to have. And... Um, and he's a Mr. Johnson from Scott County, Iowa. Uh, he doesn't he, he doesn't live in Iowa now, but he served very effectively in that position. I've suggested that name to her. I don't think they want to appoint a person with a Republican background, even if he does his work in a. Uh, those positions aren't political. So whether a Republican or Democrat holds it shouldn't make any difference because they're looking out for trade benefits for American agriculture, and they negotiate uh, those agreements. That's right. Keep us top of mind to foreign buyers around the world. Hopefully we can get that position filled very shortly. As always, Senator Grassley, we appreciate you taking the time to give us an update on what is happening there in Washington, D.C. Thanks for joining us today. Okay, goodbye. And folks, stick with us when AOA returns. We're going to talk lubrication with our friends from Senex, so stick around for that. We'll have more AOA when we return. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. And in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. 
They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Soil, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Soil Ship Enterprise to explore soil life, to boldly grow where cover crops have never grown before. Farmer's Log, soil date 31655.4. We've come across some strange but incredibly helpful life forms. We didn't have to travel far to find them, but these organisms have proven invaluable on our trip through the solar system. They help feed us by nourishing and protecting our crops. They've built our soil structure to make it more resilient to the harsh weather we encounter. Our sensors indicate they're even helping us store carbon that plants take out of the atmosphere and put it back into the soil. Guess you can say our living and life-giving soil is the best thing to cling on to. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's soil fleet humor. <laughs> Visit your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today and learn more about the basics and benefits of soil health. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from across the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. The average American eats 250 eggs per year, which translates to a total annual consumption of 76.5 billion eggs in the U.S. About 60% of eggs produced here in the U.S. are used by consumers, and about 9% are used by the food service industry. A chef's hat is said to have a pleat for each of the many ways you can cook eggs. The color can range from white to deep brown. Hens with white feathers and earlobes lay white-shelled eggs, while hens with red feathers and earlobes lay brown-shelled eggs. Because breeds that lay brown eggs are typically slightly larger, Larger birds, they require more food, making brown eggs usually more expensive than white. You can tell whether an egg is fresh or stale by dropping it in water. A fresh egg will sink, but a stale one will float. Eggs also contain all the essential protein, minerals, and vitamins, and egg yolks are one of the few foods that naturally contain vitamin D. And eggs are also good for your eyes because they contain lutein, which helps prevent age-related cataracts and muscle degeneration. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. How many acres are you keeping an eye on? Another pair of eyes could be very helpful in protecting your ROI, especially ones that are highly trained. And that's what you'll get with an FS Crop Specialist. They can spot issues you might not even know you have using the latest technology, including thermal, drone, and NDVI imaging. Then they can get an early treatment plan started. Contact your local FS Crop Specialist to learn more about our crop scouting services. It's one more way FS is bringing you what's next. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. 
Well, planting season is almost upon us. And as those tractors get out into the fields, we as folks in agriculture are going to be asking for those engines to do a lot. And it's key to keep them clean and working effectively. Joining me today is Sean Clark. He's the district manager for lubricants at Senex. Sean, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. As you think about keeping these engines clean and effective, Sean, what are some tips growers could use here early in the season? Kind of starting out, I think there's nothing worse than dealing with a dirty engines, especially for farmers, like you said, during crop season. A dirty engine can negatively impact equipment's performance and can result in a costly breakdown. So I kind of look at it as if I have my riding mower out and uh, doing the last mow of the season and getting ready to store it away, I do a lot of maintenance on it kind of like farmers do on their equipment. So you change your air filter, uh, your fuel filter. You also kind of clean the outside of an engine. So when you do get it back out for the season to start, it runs a lot cooler when it is cleaner. And the last thing a farmer wants to do is spend $40,000 or more to replace an engine. So I think that everybody would agree that got dirty engine oils are probably the most result of uh, engine breakdowns. That certainly makes sense, Sean. And as you think about the ways you mentioned a dirty engine can impact efficiency, how does that happen? How does a dirty engine impact equipment efficiency? I kind of think of it as equipment efficiency is so critical to kind of getting the job done. Uh, and really, engines are the central workhorse of any piece of equipment. So during planting and seasonal use, more buildup of dirt and contaminants can occur, putting your engine at risk and dirty engines can noticeably lower your equipment's performance and can result in costly breakdowns, like I talked about earlier. Farmers need to be sure equipment will perform when it's needed most, especially as tillage and planting is underway. And it really doesn't matter if your equipment is new or if it's been on a farm for years. You know, a consistent maintenance program, along with Cynexic's high-quality lubricants, is key to protecting them. You know, it never fails breakdowns always happen when you're using your equipment it never happens when it's shut off and it is maintenance time and you're not using them so kind of when it hits the hardest and your busiest part of the year is when it always breaks down another way to stay ahead of it the equipment issue is using loop scan used oil analysis as we'll talk a little later on that well, let's let's jump into that, Sean, because we think about the, the requirements of these engines, the, the amount of metal parts running next to each other at high temperatures, high quality lubrication can make a huge difference, can't it? Oh, yeah. How uh, can I reiterate on your part of it? You said the high quality of lubricants. It's key uh, to, to clean the in, to keep the engines clean and also protect them as well. And again, it starts with the quality of the lubricant. Uh, Cynix has two of the best synthetic-based diesel engine oils, our Maxtron Enviro Edge, which is a full synthetic, and our Maxtron DEO is a semi-synthetic. So when you see the name Maxtron, you know synthetics are involved. Another thing is quality lubricants start with a base oil and go all the way through to additive package. Like our Cynix Maxtron lubricants are made up of group two or better base oils, and then added with our balanced additive package. So the additive package kind of consists of detergents that prevent acids of combustion from corroding engine parts, prevent sludge and particles from attaching to engine services, and then you have dispersants, basically breaking up contaminating particles, holding them in suspension and allowing them to be carried off to the oil filter. And then of course, you have corrosion and rust inhibitors that are basically do exactly what they say to protect against rust and corrosion deterioration. I mean, then you have your VI improvers, your friction modifiers, anti-wear agents. So you can see there's a lot that goes into making a high quality lubricant like Senex Maxtron products. And Sean, after that high quality lubricant has ended its service life and you've got that oil you're changing out, don't just throw it away, right? Don't just recycle it because that oil can teach us something if we lube scan it, correct? Oh, yes, most definitely. The lube scans is a big piece of it. I would highly recommend everybody to do that. It just shows you kind of what your engine, I guess, take a snapshot of what your engine looks like right now. But better way to maybe look at it is, you know, going to a doctor for a routine checkup and helping identify clues or concerns to larger issues it kind of relates to that oil analysis report that kind of shows contaminants and identify concerns in your engine before they become a bigger issue. Absolutely, Sean. After we get that lube scan back, what other maintenance tips do you have for growers here to keep the engine clean and best protect the equipment? 
and again, I kind of reiterate on the, the same before is to kind of make sure you're changing your oil on a routine basis, air filters, keeping the engine outside the engine clean so it helps run cooler. I think those all kind of go hand in hand with uh, with using the Cynex lubricants. John, where can listeners go to get more information about high quality Cynex lubricants? You can go to Cynex.com for product information. You know, finding the right product for your needs. And really one thing on there, as well as Cynics.com, you can go on there and click on the equipment lookup list. This allows you to type in any type in any piece of equipment and tell you what Cynix product you can use in that piece of equipment based off the manufacturer. And then, of course, you can find your local Cynix distributor on there as well. A lot of great resources out there to keep your equipment running at tip-top shape this spring. Our thanks to Sean Clark, the District Manager for Lubricants at Cenex. Sean, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Yeah, folks, that lubrication is key at harvest season because a lot of you are going to be out there growing what we need to eat and to fuel our vehicles. To that end, we did have a look at ethanol production yesterday, and it was unchanged week to week. However, the good news, the piece of bullish story to this ethanol report was that we now see the lowest ethanol inventories since mid-January. So we are seeing consumers pick back up and utilize that fuel. And folks, we will be talking energy prices a lot more on the show tomorrow. Our friend Dr. Ellen Wald will be joining us from Transversal Consulting to take a look at, well, what OPEC has been up to here over the past couple of weeks, as well as what's going on with the diesel shortage in this country. It is tight supplies in the Northeast, and that's reverberating across the rest of the country. Ellen will give us an indication of what to expect as summer wears on. So don't miss that Tomorrow, we're also going to talk to Chris Edgington of the NCGA, Garrett Toy of AgriTalk, and, or excuse me, of AgTalk, AgTrader Talk, and we'll be talking in segment two about the issues confronting the dairy industry. So tune in tomorrow to AOA, folks. Thanks for joining us today. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it twice a day. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it in the morning and before dinner. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it, and share it with my doctor. Nearly one in two U.S. adults have high blood pressure. That's why it's important to self-monitor your blood pressure in four easy-to-remember steps. It starts with a monitor. Now that I know my blood pressure numbers, I talked with my doctor. We're getting those numbers down. Get it, slip it, cuff it, check it. Talk to doctor now and share it. Be next to talk to your doctor about your blood pressure numbers. Get down with your blood pressure. Self-monitoring is power. Learn more at manageyourbp.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Heart Association, and the American Medical Association. In partnership with the Office of Minority Health and Health Resources and Services Administration.